Thank you so much for tuning in to Harvest Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We're so blessed that you're taking time out of your day to listen to God's Word. And now, today's message. Okay, Uh, my wife Chandler was singing right over here. We've been attending Harvest pretty much since day one. I'm also an elder here at Harvest, and as you just heard, Ryan asked us to speak a few minutes basically about Tam and my experience with putting God first in our lives and in our marriage. Um, Then Darren will come up and have the main part of the message. Um, This is going to be pretty fast. I'm not a public speaker. I've been fighting a cold all week, so just bear with me. Um, While I was trying to put this together, I come across what I felt was a good description of what it means to put God first in your life, and I'm just going to read it to you. Putting God first means looking to him for guidance and direction in life. It means putting aside our own desires, plus allowing his will to be done. It is a commitment to prioritize him above all else, to seek his kingdom and righteousness before above all else. It is seeking his approval in all things, even if it means giving up something that we may dearly want. This means seeking his face in prayer and scripture, listening for his guidance in all matters. It is submitting to his authority and seeking to obey his commandments even when it's difficult. It is trusting him with our lives, knowing that his plans are greater than our own. It means living for him, not ourselves. Putting God first requires a lifetime of discipline, but the rewards are great. We can rest assured that when we put God first, he will always be with us, guiding us, protecting us. He will provide us with strength, joy, peace as we live to honor him. And after looking at that and reading that, I hardly feel qualified to even be up here because I failed in so many ways. But I am here very thankful for God's grace. So I'm going to share a couple of ways that Tam and I tried to honor God in our marriage by putting him first. Tam and I both grew up in a Christian home, so from the early age we understood that putting God first was very important in our lives. So through the process of dating, we did not have sex until after we were married. Um, Excuse me. Many people think that's old-fashioned or almost impossible, but God says otherwise. And my advice to you would be follow the word and what it says, not what the world says. Another way we put God first in our life was in finances, and that was through the way of tithing. Back then when we got married, minimum wage was three seventy-five per hour, and jobs were very scarce. Eight years after we were married, I changed jobs. And to give you an idea what it was like, The job I was trying to get had 500 applicants for one opening. My wife, Tam, homeschooled our five children, which meant living off of one income. So needless to say, money was very, very tight. I remember um, writing out tithe checks and wondering, how how is this check not going to bounce? But... God would come through in uh, miraculous ways. Remember times when we'd uh, get a check in the mail that we weren't expecting or just some time to put in to keep us going? 
we also had a close friend that um, felt that God was telling him to give us a thousand dollars and uh, we just rejoiced because we things were very tight back then while I was working on this I was talking to Tam about it and she said she remembered when needing to wash clothes and thinking we couldn't because we'd be out of softener salt. Now, well, you might not think that's a big deal, but we had five children and very nasty, rusty water, which would wreck white or light clothes if you didn't have salt in. Anyway, she went down to check the salt in the tank, and there was salt, even though it should have been empty a week ago. <clears throat> I don't want to come across like I have all the answers because I've made plenty of mistakes along the way. But what I do know is God is faithful, and he will honor your commitment to putting him first. What we have experienced when we are starting to slip away from keeping God first in everything else in our life starts to deteriorate. This begins with Tam and my relationship, and it has gotten to the point where we lose that glue that keeps us together. It can get to the point where you are just two people sharing the same house and the same life. And uh, what we've found is when we happen to get, when we get to the point where we're now we get God back in the forefront and the goal is putting him first, everything else in our lives kind of fall back into place. And uh, we ask for his forgiveness and begin to put him first and things go much better. I'm sure a lot of you experience this. So with that being said, yes, we've been through some stretches in our marriage that have been tough, but we've came out stronger by putting him first, doing his will rather than ours, and by his grace, here we are. Not this March, but uh, this March is our 39th anniversary, and we are giving God credit. We are giving God credit because we probably wouldn't have made it a year without him. Um... That's about all I have, so Darren, are you there? Okay, thanks. All right. Uh, my name's Darren, for those of you who have never met me or... If you haven't seen my um, testimony that I did in Harvest, I'll talk a little bit about that. Um, talk to you about some wounds that happened um, when I was living without God. But honestly, wounds can happen when you're living with God too. And uh, even Jesus had wounds in this life, in this world. And he was healed by his Father in heaven, and we can be too. And uh, and we're supposed to become closer and closer to Jesus as we move through this world, and our wounds are able to be healed by God. And they can become scars, just like Jesus has scars. And those scars we're able to look back on, and we're able to see the wisdom in God instead of that wound. And so as I talk about these, these wounds, they're scars now. And I'm able to see 
everything God worked through those things in my life, and um, I just see his love through it all, even though it was a painful part of my life. Um, I got divorced twice. Um, my first marriage, we met when we were 19, and, uh, and, and we were very selfish, and we partied a lot, and... Um, you know, when you party a lot, you say things and you do things and that you really shouldn't be saying or doing. And um, that left some, some bitterness and some resentment in, in my heart. And I just kind of shrugged it off, kind of like, oh, I forgive you. But it wasn't the, the forgiveness that God tells us how we're supposed to forgive it was a forgiveness like I forgive you now, but if we get in a fight, I'm going to bring it up. And, <clears throat> and all that stuff just kind of built up and really hardened my heart. And we got married six years into our relationship. Um, we were married for six more years. We were together for 12 years and uh, had two kids. But... Um, my heart really wasn't able to heal just because I didn't know how to forgive. I mean, I didn't know how to love, I didn't know how to forgive because I didn't know God. And without God, you can't really love, you can't really forgive the way you're supposed to. And that really made a, that really, That were really kind of destroyed our relationship, and um, I always thought that it was something she did. You know, I thought it was this resentment that I built up towards her, and this bitterness and this anger. But when I accepted Jesus into my life, God really worked in my heart. Even when I wasn't walking with God, he, like, he brought me back and he just worked through my whole life with all my sin, all, my, all the stuff that happened, and he just worked through it with me, and it was awesome. <laughs> and uh, with that, he, he, was, uh, he showed me that it was really resentment and bitterness towards myself the way I acted. It was my heart that, I, that needed to be healed. It was the stuff that I did that I needed to look at. And through that, um, I was able to, you know, grow immensely. And, uh, and it was amazing. And the, after, my first after my first marriage, I kind of, I was like, all right, you know, I got this. And this was before I, I, I didn't accept Jesus yet, but I was like, I got this, my own willpower, you know, I'm going to, I know what I did, I'm going to, I'm going to do it right this next time, and I got married again, and, uh, and it was fine for a while, on my own willpower, but then selfishness started to sneak in, just slowly sneaking into my life, and it just built up this same, the same things, and I quit a few jobs that I shouldn't have quit, because I thought I deserved more money. And I started my own business, and I started working weekends, and I started working long hours. And 
I started skipping out on family vacations and it just kind of tumbled. And again, I found myself, my heart was hardened and I wasn't able to look at my mistakes. I wasn't able to even acknowledge them or to understand what needed to happen to fix the relationship. And that eventually um, ended up in divorce as well. But um, when, I, when I accepted Jesus in my life, I was able to go back and heal those things as well as heal those relationships. I was able to, I mean, it's not uncommon for me to be on a long text string with either one of my ex-wives talking to them about our kids or what's happening in their lives or um, like how things are going to um, play out in in our kids' lives, you know, as we grow together as a as really two separate families as one. And it's pretty, it was, it's been a very painful and crazy journey, but it's been pretty amazing to see what God can do when you really give it to Him and just watch Him heal things that you never thought could be healed and um, turn things into scars that we're able to look back and just see God's love and wisdom instead of the pain. And so I'm going to go into some scripture that I guess really, really um, is kind of some difficult scripture, I guess, if if you just read it and kind of look at it as, as words. But if you look at it... Um, if you look at it in, in God's light, you really see what he's trying to say. So I'm going to start out with it's 1 Corinthians seven twenty nine through 35. So it'll be a little long here, but... What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as they do not. Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if they were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs. How, can he, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world. And how can he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world and how she can please her husband. I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. And there at the end is really what he's trying to get at. He's not saying... Don't, he's not saying go out and live like you don't have a wife, you know, in those terms. He's saying that life is short on this earth. And we're called to seek God's kingdom first. That's what we're called to do. All these other things in this world, there's distractions all around us. 
and we're called to seek God first. And in Luke 14, 26 through 27, Jesus even says to his disciples, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. You know, he really wanted to let his disciples know what they were what they were getting into, basically. Hey, you know, if you're going to follow me, you need to love me. And God, he's a holy God. So that relationship needs to be set apart from every other relationship in this world. And it's, it's just one of those, one of those things that we just got to keep, keep in our lives and have it set in the right way. Um, our relationship with him just needs to be so much higher than everything else. And that's really where the foundation of our relationships begin. Um, our marriages, relationships with family, friends, our kids. Because um, we don't want a spouse-centered marriage or a self-centered marriage, a kid-centered marriage. We want a God-centered marriage. And when that happens, that's where the fruit, that's where the fruit of the Spirit just falls on it. And, um, you know, marriage is really supposed to reflect how Jesus loves his church and how he loves all the people that, that go to him. And uh, that's a, that's a two-way constant grace Love, forgiveness, grace, love, forgiveness, constantly, you guys. We all make mistakes. <laughs> I mean, it's, I know I need all the grace that I can get. So the more my wife loves Jesus, the better off I am, you know. But, but really, the more we all love Jesus, the better off we all are. So, um, and we also have to really look at um, where our relationship is. Because we have to really understand that we can't be our spouse's number one. We have to get used to not being our spouse's number one. Because when we can, when we can say we love God more, that's where our marriages are the healthiest. And that's the truth. You know, that's from, I mean, from two marriages that I've, and through without God to a marriage that is now based on God. I mean, so much of a difference. So much of a difference. We also have to realize that there's an enemy, you know, and we have to guard our marriages. Um, Ephesians 6, 11 through 12 says, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We are not fighting against each other. It might feel like it, but we're not. Because the enemy hates your marriage. He hates your life, and he hates your relationship with God. And he will do anything he can 
you'll put anything into your mind to say that it's your spouse or that it's this or that it's that. We have to fight and we have to keep prayer in our lives. We can't forget about prayer. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. When we are having issues in our marriage and they, they come along, but prayer, it'll open up our hearts. And when our hearts are open, that's when the healing process can really begin. And it, we have to be able to open up and talk to each other, you guys. It's hard and it's painful, but when we let God dig in and when we let him reveal what's really in our own hearts, not in what our spouse's heart looks like, because we don't know that. Only God knows that. We can di let God dig into our own hearts and reveal what's happening and heal that. And it's an amazing thing. Um, I'm going to go into some scripture, and then I got some questions that we can really ask ourselves. Um, I don't know, weekly, monthly, or whatever, whatever you want. Um, but Luke 6, 43 and 44 says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bear, bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. You know, we can ask ourselves, what, what fruit's coming from our marriage? Um, are we teaching our kids to love the Lord? Are we pushing each other? to keep Jesus first. And then Luke 6, 45 continues, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. How are we speaking to each other? That's, that's a huge, huge part of marriage. You know, if there's constant bickering or demeaning sarcasm, we have to ask ourselves why and we have to search our own hearts, like I said, and that not search our spouse's heart because we can't do that. And you're allowed to correct each other when you're talking to each other. If someone says something, you're allowed to correct each other in that moment, but with love. Romans 8, 9 through 11 you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the Spirit who lives in you. So we can ask ourselves, am I, am I alive in Christ? Is His Spirit in me? And really, do, do I feel the peace and the presence in my marriage, in my relationships, and in all the things of my life? God really put this on my heart right when I asked him into my life um, 
when when we were when I was working through all that stuff and um, he said this to me. He says I wrote it, I wrote it down. It's probably it's a little different from what he said, but all right, bear with. Me. The only way to truly know how to love is is by knowing how much our Father in heaven loves us. If we don't know how much he loves us, or if we can't fully accept how he loves us, then we can't truly love ourselves or our spouses. You know, and there's a difference between knowing and accepting. You know, a friend once told me that some people will fall 16 inches short of heaven. That's from our head to our heart. It's from knowing to accepting. We have to accept that love, you guys. God already did all the work. He already gave us his hand. He already gave us Jesus. All we have to do is just accept that unconditional, sacrificial love. The more we can accept it, the more we can offer it to others. And I just want to end with that. And Cal will come up and say a prayer to finish us off. Thank you, Darren. Appreciate you sharing from your heart. Uh, After I release you guys, uh, my wife, Tam, and myself are on the prayer team, so if anybody wants to come up for prayer afterwards, that would be great. Hello? Not holding it high enough again. Uh, My wife and myself will be on the prayer team afterwards, so if anybody wants to come up and get prayed for, that would be great. Um. Lord, we just thank you for this day and for this opportunity to come together and worship you and hear your word. And I just thank you for Darren and his willingness to share. I thank you for each one. I just ask that this, these messages just hit home for whoever, whoever needs it, Lord. Just help it to soak in and them to get your meaning out of it, Lord. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. for tuning in today. God bless you. If you'd like to connect with Harvest Church in a deeper way, you can go to www.harvestfrazy.org or you can check us out on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash harvestfrazy. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can give at harvestfrazy.org forward slash giving. God bless you. Thank you once again for joining us. Have a great rest of your day.